0: sounds simple, doesn't it? It's not. How can we love better? I want to start this sermon this week by addressing a question that was posed to me, um, you know, during the week after my last week's sermon and after we kind of advertised this one. Um, So my sermon last week was entitled very cleverly, I, I might add, stop in the name of love. Stop in the name of love, right? Was Diana Ross? Is that right? Yeah, and my sermon this week is even more cleverly titled, I think, Go in the Name of Love. See, our February sermon series is called In the Name of Love. I've got two more that are going to be cool, too, coming up these next two weeks. But, you know, someone asked me, so, Pastor, last week you said we needed to stop in the name of love. Then we need to just stop all our going and all our doing and just be still and just know that he is God. And just stop for a minute. Just stop and just be there and experience God and just stop doing and going and being and doing all those things. Stop and know he's God. Just stop. And now this week, you're saying that we need to go. We need to go. We need to do. We need to be. We need to do all this stuff. So we got to go in the name of love. So which one is it? Aren't you contradicting yourself? Maybe. I do it pretty often. But on the contrary... Isn't stopping and going in the proper times to do each one of the first things that we teach our kids? I mean, we teach our kids this, right? When you walk up to a street, you need to stop and look both ways. And if both ways are clear, then you can go. That's an incredibly important thing to teach those kids. Because otherwise, they'll just go running right out there in the middle of the street into traffic. And we don't want them to do that. But if we teach them to only stop and not to go, then they will never get to where they need to be. Stopping and going is really important. And when kids first get their driver's license, and I know a lot of us are right on that verge, man. Golly. Uh, Mine's coming up in a a year, and I just can't, in my mind, I can't comprehend Logan like being in charge of a motor vehicle. It just doesn't, I, I can't, my gears won't go there right now. I just can't understand. Yeah, I just can't see that. Just the way he is and does. Yeah, I mean, most y'all know him. I just can't, can't wrap my head around that. And I know some of y'all are right on that same verge, but one of the first things that I will have to teach him when we get out on the road is when to stop and when to go. I mean, we have to teach him that when you come to a red light, you have to stop. And when the light's green, you need to go and those things are really important because if he doesn't stop at the stoplight then he'll probably get in an accident i mean if he just goes barreling through an intersection then obviously he's going to have a crash or he's going to get a ticket from a cop i mean something bad is going to happen if he does not stop when he's supposed to stop and on the other side of it if he doesn't go when he's supposed to go some other bad things will happen i mean if he doesn't go through the green light he's likely to get rear-ended rear-ended get in a crash that way and then if he just sits there and doesn't go when he's supposed to go he'll probably get cussed out by whoever it is that's behind him people get angry about that stuff I told this story for her service. I guess I should tell it again. Me and Angela were in Glasgow one day. We're at this intersection and, and we, like there was this car that like one car pulled out in front of the other one and like the, the person in the, in the back car was just like really giving them the business, right? I mean, head leaned out the window, like slobbering, like calling them everything that there was to call them, giving them the salute, the old salute, you know, letting them know they thought they were number one in their life. And, I mean, just screaming, just having a meltdown like a toddler because this person pulled out in front of them, honking their horn, just acting a fool. I mean, as we were like, man, that's crazy. I mean, why would anybody just show their tail like that and just be an ignorant person and just, you know, act like that? You know? And then so they pulled out, and we pulled out behind them. And they had a, they had a big, fat waist church sticker right on the back of their car. And I was like, oh, my You'd have to know it would have to be somebody from our church, right? And I want you to know it was Todd Kidd. No, I'm lying. It wasn't wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Todd Kidd. It was not Todd Kidd. It was not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Actually, I didn't recognize the person, so I don't know if they'd been here a few times or if they got the car from somebody else. I don't know. But let let me ask you this. So if you trade your car in, like, take your sticker off your car, okay? Because, I mean, you don't know who's going to get that car, Drove by one that was, dude, <laughs> this is another, I'm just, I'm, now I'm just being silly. We, we were going down the road one day and we saw this car that was pulled over and had like eight cops around them, dude. Like the, the black like drug task force SUV and like three or four cop cars. And the, man, they had the biggest white church sticker in their back windshield that you've ever seen in your life. No, it's just like, oh gosh, okay. Well, hey, we're reaching who God's called us to reach. That is for sure. Praise God. Praise God. But then Angela my loving wife, like this goes back to the first story. Angela tried to get me to follow that person that had been cussing people out in traffic. She's like, just go and talk to them and tell them that they can't act like that with the, you know, they're represent our church. I was like, I, I'm not doing that. They're allowed to shoot me in the face. Uh. <laughs> stop when you're supposed to stop and go when you're supposed to go is one of the most important things that we could ever learn in life. And it goes the same for our spiritual walk. If we can really, truly, as Christ followers, learn when it is that we're supposed to stop and be still and know that he is God, and when we're supposed to take that love and that empowerment that he's poured into us and go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that he's taught us, if we could figure that out in our hearts and our minds and our spirits, if we could know just that simple thing. As Christ followers, if we could just know when it's time to stop and when it's time to go, when it's time to just be in his presence and when it's time to do the work that he's called us to do, man, if we could just figure that out, man, then we're getting somewhere, amen? Then we're getting somewhere. Let me ask you another question. What are Christians known for in the world today? Ooh. Let me give you a clue. It's not what we ought to be known for. It's not. Yeah, that's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. We're not known for what we should be known for. I mean, what I hear about us more than anything else is what we're against. We're known for what we're against. We're against that. And we're against this. And we're against all those other things. And we need to boycott this thing. And we need to boycott this thing. And we need to march on this thing and march on that thing. And if we don't make our voices heard about this, then we're not doing the work of the kingdom of God. We're against political parties and we're against economic systems and we're against abortions and we're against homosexuality and we're against liquor stores being open during the pandemic when everything is closed. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be against those things. We should. I'm against all those things. Just in case you didn't know, now you know. Now you know where I stand on stuff. But that can't be what we're known for. That's... That's not what God called us to be. That's not what God called us to do. My Bible doesn't say that Jesus said they'll know you're my disciples by what you're against. My Bible says in the book of John in chapter 13 and verse 35, they will know you're my disciples by how you love. They'll know you're my disciples by how you love. And that doesn't mean that we're not against certain things that don't line up with Scripture. We have to be. But that can't be number one on our list. It can't be. Our love has to be louder than our assertion. Do you guys know what an assertion is? It's when you have a truth you just have to share. You assert yourself. You make an assertion. And, and, and assertions are fine, but our love has to be louder than our assertions. And our love has to be louder than our opinions. And our love has to be the loudest thing in our entire life if we want to live like Jesus and love like Jesus and get the results that Jesus got. Can somebody say amen? Our love needs to be louder. Our love has to be Louder. And I know that, I mean, I have a lot of people in my life that, that I know that they love God. And I know that they love Jesus. I know that they love people. But it's not the loudest thing in their life. And if, if, if your love for God and your love for people is not the loudest thing in your life, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And, and that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. I Man, our love has to be the loudest thing in our life life in our life because the most famous verse in all of scripture doesn't say for God so loved the faithful for God so loved the believers for God so loved the ones that are just like me oh Lord help them Doesn't help, it doesn't say love the ones that God, for God so loved the ones that were willing to accept it, loved the ones that changed, loved the ones that gave and, and served and, and lived for him and did all those things. No, no. It says for God so loved the whole world. The whole world. So that whosoever that door is open to anybody that would just come and knock on it. Whosoever. Anybody, everybody, anybody, people out there that, 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 that don't look like me and don't act like me and don't, don't say the things that I say and don't live the way they live. I mean, all those people, it's available to every single one of them. And it's up to us, up to us to prove it. It's just up to, up to us to prove it. How many people have you seen with your own eyes that have ever been saved by one of those folks standing on the street corner with a bullhorn going, God hates everybody. God hates you all. We were going into a Newsboys concert one time and there was this guy going, all you teenagers are going to hell. I had to be physically restrained. <laughs> I was about to lose my Jesus right upside that guy's head, man. I wasn't as saved then as I am now. I was like, I'm about to show him. <laughs> like, I'm a big old boy to be screaming at my kids and tell them they're going to hell. I don't know. And, and, and some people, first services, they've seen a few. And I know some have happened. I know it's happened. But, but I've never seen one. And yet here, just in the last few weeks, at this little rural church in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, I've seen many. Come right to the foot of his cross and give their life to Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You know why? Yeah, man, give him praise for that if there was ever a time to give him praise. You know why? Because before we tell them that God loves them, we show them that God loves them. Because we love them. Because we love them. Because we do our best, and do we fail every day? Of course we do. Are we perfect? Not even close. But we do the best we can to love like Jesus. Whether somebody comes from a different religion, whether they think they're better than we are, whether they find themselves in a jail cell, whether they find themselves in the most awesome recovery home I've ever seen, whether they're fresh off the street, doesn't matter. They're a child of God, so we love them like a child of God. You know, there's people that come to this church that call this their home, that some of them are here right now, that know that I don't agree with the lifestyle that they live. That know that that I have big disagreements with some of the decisions that they make and are still currently making. But they still call this their church home. You know why? Because they know that we love them. Because our love is louder than our assertions. Our love is louder than our opinions. And they know that when we do try to lead them in the right direction, that we're doing it not because we think we're better, but because we love them and we love God and we want them to experience the fullness of His love on a level that they haven't gotten to yet. So the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, man, says to, to, love, to speak love in truth. I got that backwards. Speak, but it, can, it goes both ways. To speak truth in love. Speak truth, but in love. Do you know what he's really trying to say there? If you've got some truth you want to share with somebody, but you can't share it in love, hush. Hush. If you can't say it in love, don't. But I've got to tell them because I really need to get their students, because they need to understand. No, shut up, man. If you can't say it in love, don't, because that's what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God is truth in love. And it is the apex of existence. It is the only source of truth in the universe. We're not just making this up as we go. This is what the word of God says. And in the book of of Galatians in chapter 6, it says to correct a brother gently. You know what that means? That means if you can't correct them gently, don't. If you can't correct them gently, you got no business correcting them. If you don't love somebody, if your love is not louder to somebody than your assertion, you got no business making an assertion to them. And I'm not saying we can't have strong opinions. We're called to. And I'm not saying we can't judge motives and, and, you know, opportunities and sometimes people because we're called to. And I'm not saying that we can't make assertions. We must. But our love has to be louder. We as Christians can no longer be known for what we're against. We as the body of Christ, we as the church must be known for our love. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? I'm about to start preaching. Y'all ate lunch before you came, didn't you? Actually, I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture. I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture. So it's like, um, yeah, it's a bunch of scripture. 14 verses, not a whole bunch. 14 verses of scripture, but I'm just going to preach on four words today. Is that okay? The Bible says this. This is from the Extra Sovereign Version. The ESV. 1 John chapter 4. One of the most important works in all of Scripture. John the Revelator, same guy that wrote the Gospel of John, same guy that wrote the Revelation. He wrote these three letters to combat heresy in the church. The early church had forgotten how to love already. Sounds like people, don't they? They forgot how to love already. And so John the Beloved, John the Revelator, John the Apostle writes this letter to remind the church, that's you, that's me, to love beloved that's you beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god anyone who does not love does not know god do you hear that because god is on valentine's day and every other day god is love not love is god Do you understand the difference there see some people think love is god Love is not God. God is love. So that means God defines love. Love doesn't define God. Yeah, that's deep. I'll save that for a live stream coming up soon. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I got it right. Propitiation. Sometimes I can't say it. Beloved, that's you. If God loved us, we also ought to love ourselves. No? One another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Mm. We got this app called Abide that we listen to before we go to bed. It's awesome. Y'all should get it. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Yes, he has. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Man, that's a good way to be. Ah, I'm going to read that again just because it sounds good to my ears and feels good to my soul. So we have come to know and to believe the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him or her. By this, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are to be in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. I don't want to be a liar. I'm a liar way too often. And I don't want to be a liar anymore. I want to be filled with truth. I want to tell truth. I want to live truth. That's all. That's all. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he cannot see, love. Wait. (laughs) For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen and this is the commandment we have from him whoever loves god must also love his brother let us pray lord jesus we come to you right now praising your holy name worshiping you in the spirit and the truth god let us be loved by you so that we can love for you god Lord, I pray that we'd be filled with your love to the brim that we're overflowing with it into the world around us. God, I pray that we would be so full of your love that we must go and share it. We must go and share it or we'll just pop. Lord, I praise you and I worship you and I ask you just to be with us today. Open this word to us Send your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you give him a shout of praise at the way Church this morning? Come on. And you may be seated in his presence. Listen, in 14 verses there. The word love is used 29 times. You could say that love is important to God. I love how it begins. Sometimes the English just doesn't do it justice. So in the ESV, we get, you know, in the, in the, the newer translations, you get dear friends, let us love. In, in, the, in the ESV, you get beloved, let us love. But in the Greek, you get this agapatoi, agapamen. Agapatoi, agapamen which really means let those who are loved, let them go love. If you are loved, then go love. Beloved, beloved, let us love. Let those who have experienced the love of God be the instruments of God's love. Let those that have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit be the purveyors of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let those that have been healed be healers. Let those that have been delivered be deliverers. Let those that have been forgiven be forgivers. Let those who have experienced the power and the love of God be the essence and the manifestation of the power of the love of God here on the earth. Can you say amen? Let those who have been loved go and love you know, Jesus said, Those that have been forgiven much, they love much. When I mean, those that have been loved much, we need to love much. We've got to be His hands and His feet here on the earth. Here on the earth. When I mean, nobody's ever seen God face to face, but man, they could see Him in us. But what do they actually see? What do they actually see instead? Selfishness and deceit? Hypocrisy, like my sister said? All those things, yeah, they see those things. And they're always going to because we're broken people. But what if our love is louder than all that? I mean, what if our love is louder? What if if we turn the volume down on our opinions and our assertions and all that other stuff? And we turn the volume up to 11. Up to 11 on love. What if our love is so loud that it drowns out all the negative stuff about us? What if our love is so loud that people can't even hear anything else that we say? Because our love is so loud that it's all that they can hear, all that they can see coming from us. That's what it's like to be a disciple of God. That's what it's like to follow Jesus right in his footsteps. And that's why they couldn't deny him and that's why people flocked to him all the time. Because Jesus had a lot of stuff to say, but his love was always louder. He had a lot of stuff to say that condemned a lot of people. But his love was always louder. His love was always louder than any of the other things that he had to say. Let those that are, that are loved, love. Let those that have been in the presence of God be the ones that draw people into the presence of God. Because, man, we that have experienced his love, man, here we are, the children of God. Here we are, joint heirs with Christ, man, a peculiar people. I mean, here we are, priests and kings, man, a a priesthood of all believers. I mean, people that have been just called into his glory, that have experienced something that the rest of the world has never even been able to comprehend. Well, you think we're supposed to keep it to ourselves? I'm going to take all this love of God that I have, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to keep it for my very own. And... mm, uh, and I'm gonna name it George, right? Y'all seen that commercial my showing my age or that cartoon, showing my age, right? And keep it for my very own. Man, that's not how this thing works. That's not how this thing works. You know, my brother, my brother wrote a song called Deeper or Into the River or whatever you want to call it, man. It has multiple names. <laughs> but it's all about this chapter in Ezekiel, chapter 47, and, and the Bible says that there's this river that flows from the throne room of God. And, and everywhere it goes, it brings life, right, right? You've heard about him. It comes from the temple. And everywhere it goes, it brings life, right? It brings life. It, it brings life where there was none. It soaks up into the roots of the trees. And then those trees, leaves are for healing. And their fruits are the gifts of the Spirit. Man, and all this stuff happens because of this love that's the Holy Spirit of God that flows, that flows and continues to flow. It says that it'll even bring life into the Dead Sea where there was no life before. So, I mean, this love that flows from God, if we just let it continue to flow, it'll bring life wherever it goes. And nothing will ever stop it. Except one thing, you know, that scripture also says this, that there's some places where the water runs in, but it doesn't flow out. And, and those places where the the love of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God in this river, that's the symbolism of this river flows in, but it doesn't ever flow out. And so it becomes stagnant and it becomes rotten and everything in it begins to die because there's no life because it doesn't flow. And Christian, that's what happens to you. When you let the love of God flow into you and you're in here going, huh, there's no other name than his. He's my healer. And it flows into you. And then you don't do nothing with it. Dies in you. Stagnates in you. Becomes repulsive. Begins to rot. Because that's not what it was designed to do. The love of God is meant to flow and never to become stagnant. It's not made for you to hold on to. It's made for you to give. It's not made for you to take and go and hoard somewhere. We're not to be hoarders. We're to be givers. We're not supposed to take the love of God and just wrap it up in a ball and hide it somewhere. Put it under a bushel. No! No! Do not put it under a bushel. Do not let Satan blow it out. Show that love of God to the whole world. You go and you do whatever you need to do to get it there. Let those that are loved love. Beloved, let us love. Mm. If we want to see somebody changed, what if we start talking to them instead of talking at them? Or even better, what if we started listening to their story instead of telling them how theirs needs to end? we're willing to give of ourselves to some people without expecting anything in return you see that's what agape is See, you hear preachers translate agape sometimes and it's like it's the unconditional never-ending supernatural love of god and it is but on a more simple level agape love just means love that hurts agape love means love that costs you something agape love is sacrificial love Agape love is that love that wasn't all mushy and, and feely and gooey on the inside. Agape love is that love that, that cuts you. I mean, that, 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 that love that, that took a little money out of your bank account to provide. That money that cost you some time that you would have rather been doing something else. That love that didn't get immediately returned, man. What if we just went and loved on some people that can't do nothing for us? What if we loved on people without expecting something from them all the time? I mean, we as the body of Christ, we go and love people, but we want them to change right now, not later now. We we love people, but we want to see them fall in line and get to turn into the person I I loved you. Be the person I'm telling you to be. And when they don't respond, we get mad and quit. That's not agape. That's not agape. Agape is when we give and we expect nothing in return. Agape is when you, you know, give money to somebody on the street and if they go buy whiskey with it, then they do. You're not true. You're not expecting anything from them you're just loving them because god is love and we're called to love because we've experienced his love and that's it that's it that's the kind of people that i want us to be why because god is love i mean i'm asking you to love people like that man i'm asking you to love people like that to love people so much that it hurts to love people even when it hurts to love people without expecting them to do anything for you that's the church that i want to be part of and it is i'm not trying to condemn you i'm trying to celebrate you you guys do love like that but let's take it to a new level I mean, what if we're totally different than anybody else in the world? What, what if when people attack us, we respond in love? I mean, what, what, what about when people cut us down, we build them up? What about when people steal from us, we just give to them? I mean, what if we just overwhelm the whole world with love? I mean, what if we just change everything because of how we respond? What if we're just totally different? What about in a world filled with darkness, we just shine with the light of God? What about in a world where everybody wants to hold a grudge, we just forgive everybody? Well, what about in a, in a world where everybody's apathetic and nobody cares about anything but their own stuff? What if we just care about everybody else's stuff? what if we do? If you read the U version verse of the day today, it's like Romans twelve something is where it talks about out honoring, like be you know honor other people greater than yourself. What if we just did that all the time? What if we just love like Jesus? Let me ask you another question. I mean, who who are you? Who are you? Are are you how you feel? Or are you what you do? I mean, who are you really? Well, let me ask you this. What is love really? Is, is love where we have like a, a warm and mushy feeling for somebody on the inside, but we treat them like garbage every day? Or is love where we give and, and serve and help somebody even if we don't like them that much? I mean, which one's real love? I mean, which one's love? I know which one's agape love. Agape means that I don't have to feel all warm and mushy about you, but I can serve you and help you and lead you and guide you and sacrifice for you anyway. And then the other one, I don't know what that is. Oh, I love this person so much. Well, why do you treat them like garbage and abuse them all the time? What? I love them. Like I saw you hit them. I love them. You called them a B word and an A word and all kinds like you treated them like trash. But I love them in my heart. It's not real. It's not real. It's not lived out. You can say whatever you want to say, and you can feel however you want to feel. If you don't live it out, then it's nothing. It's hypocrisy. It's garbage. It's garbage. Feelings, man. It, There's lies a lot of the time. Now, do, do I want you to feel good about helping people? Of course I do. But it's secondary. It's secondary. This is about real. This is about making the love of God real to people. This is about doing something to help somebody, doing something to serve somebody more than anything, doing whatever it takes to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes. That's the kind of lover that I want to be. That's the kind of love that I want to show and and, and pour out. I mean, that's what I want to do, man. To love with sacrifice. And yes, both is best. Of course, both is best. But if you can't get both, do Go in the name of love. Serve in the name of love. Man, live and give and be in the name of love. Back in the Roman Empire, there was this guy named Arsatides or something like that. And the Roman Empire, Emperor Nero the whatever, called him in and said, Okay, buddy, I've got a job for you. There's these Christians, this cult. And I've been trying to stamp them out and they just won't die. They're like roaches. We can't get rid of them. We've burned them at the stake. We've crucified them. We've fed them to lions. We've taxed the bejesus out of them. We've done everything that we could do to try to crush these people, and they will not stop. And I want to destroy them. So I'm going to need you to go on a spy mission, go undercover, and find out what's going on in these little cult meetings and stuff. Like, find out what these people are about and come report back to me. And so this guy did this. He went and he started going to the church and, and he started getting connected with the early church there in Rome and, and doing the things that they did and, and being with them all the time and just kind of see how they functioned. And when he came back to, he wrote a letter, you can, you can read it, it's called um, Arsatides Apology or whatever. And he came back and, and, and wrote this letter and, and met with the, the emperor and everything. And the emperor's like, okay, so what's the deal? And he said, emperor, oh how they love. Oh how they love. They love. And, and, and you can read the letter for yourself, but it said things like this When one of them dies, everyone shows up and they make sure that the family's taken care of. He said, When one of them falls down, all the brothers come together and they lift that person back up and make sure that they can go on. He said, When one of the families doesn't have enough to eat, Two or three of the other families will fast so that they can make sure to provide enough for this family to be able to eat and and have the food they need to have to survive. Oh, how they love. He said, and their love is real. There's no falsehood. And this is one of the best words. He said, there's no falsehood in them. Like, there's no hypocrisy in them. And their love, they love, and it's real. And guys, that's why they couldn't be destroyed. That's why no matter how hard that the government tried, they couldn't stomp them out because of their love. And that's why when when the greatest empire in the world, the Roman Empire, fell into ruins, still the followers of Christ go on. And that's why even though the whole world seems like that they're against the people of God right now, they can do whatever they want to. They'll never be able to get rid of us because of the love of God that we've received and because of the love of the God that we pour out on the people around us. They cannot stop His love. No matter what they threaten us with, no matter what they promise us, there's nothing that can match the power of His love. There's nothing that can overcome the love of God because God is love. And that's enough for me. It's enough for me. You know, we loaded up all those sleeping bags, man, and all those stern hands that people are using to keep warm and the hot hands and somebody made a bunch of knit like toboggans it was just incredible we made like a hundred of these things and they were nice i want to keep one for myself i didn't but i wanted to and 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 a and hundred hoodies and, and sweatshirts that we got to go give out man and and we had all this stuff and i told pastor eric we were bringing he's like dude this stuff's gonna save somebody's life and then we took it down there and, and, and gave it to them. And they went and handed it out under the bridge just right before it got down to like 10 degrees or whatever it's supposed to get down to tonight. Now you tell me if it's a coincidence that two weeks ago the Holy Spirit dropped on my wife that we need to gather up stuff and send it down there to our friends on the street. And now two weeks later this weekend is the coldest weekend of the year in an otherwise mild winter. It's going to snow 16 inches or whatever the forecast says now. You tell me that's a coincidence that you don't believe in the power of God and the word of his Holy Spirit. It's what God does. It's what God does. He speaks if you'll just listen. If you'll just listen. He speaks all the time. And so we went down Friday night and we, we took all the stuff to Compassion Church. They were having a Hope Center graduation, which was incredible. And, and so I got to talk to those guys for a while and meet with Miss Cindy, their, their you know outreach director. And... We dropped off all that stuff and, and put it down there. And then me and my wife, we just went on into Nashville. We we're like, hey, we're here. Uh, we're just going to go out to dinner and, and, you know, just spend some time together. Valentine's Day, yeah, Valentine's Day weekend or whatever. So, so we got in the car and drove on down into Nashville. We're going to have a nice dinner. And we went and stopped at a store. And she ran in the store. And I was just sitting in the van. And I'm sitting there minding my own business. And all of a sudden somebody, like, knocks on the window. Scared the tar out of me. And <laughs> I look over, and I see this older lady. And she looked rough, you know, disheveled. And she just had tears in her eyes. And I rolled down the window, and I was like, can I help you, ma'am? And she said, I'm so cold. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was thinking, I just dropped off these sleeping bags and sterno cans and hot hands back here. Like, we can go back and get some. I didn't say that but I'm thinking. she said, I'm so cold. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And she said, I can't stay out here again tonight. She said, I stepped outside last night, and I can't stay out here again, and I'm going to die. She said, I'm going to die. And I said, I'm sorry. What can I do to help? And she said, I just, I just need $28. I just need $28. I'm $28 short of a hotel room. I just need $28. And I was like, okay. So I got out my wallet, and I reached in my wallet, and had $148 in my wallet. And I never have money in my wallet. Somebody here in the church gave me some money a couple of weeks ago, just because they said God told them to. And I had that money that they gave me in my wallet. And I, it was really easy for me to reach in there and pull out twenty. I didn't give her all of it. I, maybe I should have. I don't know. But I had a hundred. I had two 20s and eight bucks. And so I pulled out a twenty and eight dollars, and I gave this lady twenty eight dollars. I just handed it to her out the window. But what happens next is what got me. She didn't even look at me again. She took the money in her hand. And she said, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I said, hallelujah. And she said, hallelujah. Praise God. And she just walked away. She never said thank you. She never said have a nice day. She didn't even look at me. She just took the money and walked away going, Praise God! And then I looked over to see if my wife saw any of this, and I looked back and she was gone. And I was just like shaking, right? But I want you to know that it was one of the most beautiful experiences that I ever had in my whole life. She didn't say, Thank you, buddy. She didn't say, Have a nice day. She didn't say, I'm glad you were here sitting in this maroon minivan. I don't even know if she even saw me sitting there. She asked God to do something in her life. And He did. Because listen, God loves you and He does something about it. Jesus Christ loves you and He did something about it. The Holy Spirit of the living God that lives inside of you loves you and he will do something about it. Love is, his love is real. His love is real. That lady right there, she knows that his love is real. She knows it. She knows it. And so guys, if the love of God is real to you, then the love of God has to be real through you. If it's real to you, it needs to be real through you. That is how we must live our lives. Beloved, if that's you, beloved of God. Beloved, let us love. Four words. Four words that that carry the weight of all of Christianity. Four words that sum up the entirety of Scripture. Man, if you are loved by God, then love you're loved by God, then love. That lady knows that God's love is real. She prayed and asked God to work a miracle in her life. And you know what he did? He just happened to use me to do it. But you know what? If I would have said no or hadn't been in that spot when I was, man, he would have used somebody else to do it because that's the kind of God that we serve. And when he wants to do something, he does it. He does it. He's sovereign. When he wants to do something, he does it. The question is, do you want to be part of the miracle or do you not? Do you want to be part of the work that he's doing in the kingdom of God or do you not? Do you want to be the conduit of his love on the earth or do you want to be one of them stagnant pools over there in the corner that stinks? I'm just saying. Nobody wants to be a stinky puddle. Nobody does. Everybody wants to be that beautiful creek that runs over those rocks and makes them round. It's a pretty good analogy. Nobody wants to be a stinky puddle. I know I don't. Let the love of God flow in you. Let the love of God flow through you. If it's real to you, let it be real through you. I know there's some people in here right now that are going, Pastor, I want to do that. I want to do that. I can do that. I want to do that. Give me a chance. I'll do it. Give me a chance. I'll do it praise God for you. Let's go do it. Let's go in the name of love. Let's go. You're going to have your chance. Let's go. It might happen to you while you're sitting at a convenience store waiting on your wife. Or it might happen under the bridge at 615 in two weeks or out in the woods in West Nashville. Might happen then. Might happen at a Bible study on Tuesday nights. Might happen at a New Life meeting on Friday night, which I'm preaching at this week, by the way. Might happen at work. Might happen on the internet. You might get the chance to let your love be louder than your assertions. Might happen anywhere. But there's some people in here right now going, "Pastor, I can't do that." There's no way that I can do that. I don't have that kind of love in me. I can't do that. And you know right, you know what? You're right. You can't. You can't. You are unable to love like that. You know what? I can't either. But I know somebody that can. See, we can't. But he can. And if we want to, and if we allow him to, that he'll love like that through us. One thing is very frustrating to me. I feel like my testimony's lost some of its power. Does that make sense to anybody? Like, I feel like my testimony's lost some of its power. Because I can stand here and tell you that I used to be this rough dude and, you know, be on dope and pack guns and all this kind of stuff. I can tell you that most of you don't believe me. Because you see me pastor the church and you see me love my kids and you see me coach football and you see me do all these things that, you know, men of God are supposed to do. and, 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 and. The change in my life is so profound. I used to hate, I used to wake up every day hating everyone, especially myself and God and all of you and my wife and my family. And I'm talking about, I hated everybody. If I even cared enough to hate them, if I hated you, you were doing good. If I really, if I hated you, then you were doing good because it meant I cared something about you. If, if I told you that you were a low-down, no-good piece of whatever, then probably it, was, it meant that I cared about you in some way because most people just didn't care. The change in my life is so profound. Man, He set me free from all those chains. Man, He filled my heart with love. There was none before. There was none, less than none. Man, I was a curse to everybody around me. But He changed just him I didn't do anything except say Lord help me I told y'all that a few weeks ago Lord help me and I said that a million and fifty times if I've said it once Lord help me Lord change me Lord take these broken pieces and do something with them cause I got nothing and he did and he will so if you're here today and you know you can't love like that but you want to that's enough want to and you believe that he can that's enough today that's enough that's enough because it's that want to it's that want to know God it's that want to experience God you know what that means that means he's calling you right brother that means he's calling you if you want God that means he's calling to you and nobody comes to the father unless he's drawn He's drawing you today. He's drawing you to the cross today. He's drawing you to the Spirit today. He's drawing you to His love today. Won't you come to Him today? Won't you let the Son of God be the Lord of your life today? I mean, won't you turn your back on the world and come to the cross won't you give up on trying to find what you're looking for out there and find it right there? Won't you let your love, let His love be enough for you? Won't you let His love become real to you so it can then become real through?